Hi, you're listening to Yeah, It Can't Be Good, a rewatch podcast of the sci fi original series Eureka. Let's get started. Here's Doug with the episode synopsis Season 2, Episode 5 Duck, Duck, Goose. Science Fair Day at Eureka's Tesla School is a high-stakes competition among the town's teenage geniuses for a coveted first prize, a career-making internship at Global Dynamics. Events, however, conspire to distract Jack Carter from this powder keg of adolescent ambition. Most prominently, a meteorite hits his Jeep, and when he visits Global Dynamics to find some answers, he's snared in a new security field that Dr. Jane Harrington has designed to immobilize intruders. Writing credits are Jamie Paglia, Andrew Cosby, and Ethan Lawrence. Directed by Michael Lang. Original air date, August 7th, 2007. Thanks, Doug. Hi, this is Vicki. I'm here with my co-host, Doug Gramley, for Season 2, Episode 5, Duck, Duck, Goose. Hi, Doug. Hey, Vicki. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Good. Okay. In this episode, we have the Tesla High School Science Fair. We have space junk falling, and we have geese. So where do you want to start? Yeah, apparently it's the most dangerous day of the year, according to everybody in town in the science fair. And I guess when you have that many smart, inexperienced, immature kids, you're probably going to have a lot of wild and crazy experiments. So uh, I believe it starts off with Carter and Joe in the restaurant, and Joe's got full-on SWAT gear. SWAT gear, yeah. So she's prepared. And Carter's not taking any of it seriously. Yeah, Carter, being uh, inexperienced, doesn't know what, what's in store, and so he's got no clue. You mentioned to me offline that this wasn't one of your favorite episodes. Yeah, I didn't care for it too much. I guess, like, the whole geese stuff didn't really make sense. I think it was kind of, like, thrown in there. I think the geese was kind of a metaphor for Carter. You know, Carter's all worked up that Zoe wants to get her license, and it was all about letting go. Letting her go. Yeah, I get that. It was just very random. Right, and some of it was a little disturbing. Oh, yeah. I I think I know what the part you're talking about. I like the episode, but there's a couple parts I didn't like. And back to the restaurant, talking about the IQ test. Now, really, Carter doesn't know about an IQ test. I I don't know if he was just playing around, making a joke. So Carter says that he scored uh, 111 on the IQ test. Right. So he got 11 points higher than 100, and he didn't even have to study, making it seem like he thought that he got a, a perfect score plus 11 points. Right. No, he was serious about it, because towards the end of the episode, he looked it up, finally. Oh, that's right, yeah. Now, I remember taking an IQ test as a kid. I knew 100 wasn't 100%, but I don't remember them actually giving us our scores. For some reason, I thought that we couldn't have our scores, that they had to go to our parents. And in our, I'm doing air quotes, in a permanent file. Yeah, I don't think I ever took an IQ test. I remember in grammar school, I mean, like that was 100 years ago. We did, I remember doing that. But I don't remember them giving us the score. I'm not sure I ever knew what the score was. Yeah. But anyway, I found it odd that he didn't know. That he wouldn't know what it is. You think a U.S. Marshal would know. Or yeah. anybody would know, really. If you went to school and you took an IQ test, you know. The scene that I never watch and skip over every single time I watch this episode is the gym scene. Why? 
it's one of those cringing, uncomfortable scenes for me to watch, number one. Number two, I understand they had to get the gym in there so they could use the magnetized floor later. Yeah. But they could do it without making him look like a buffoon. I know there's parts in this whole series that make him look silly. Yes. But he doesn't do it himself. It's the situation he gets in. Right, yeah. This is him making a fool of himself. You know, it's like a Three's Company episode where Jack Tripper goes in the ridiculous clothing to the place where he says he always goes but has no idea what to do, you know, to get the girl. Yeah. Or Reba. Yes, I used to watch Reba. Getting her 80s headband on and Jane Fonda leg warmers to go to the gym to check out, I don't know who it was, somebody's girlfriend or somebody's mother or something. That's what it felt like to me. Yeah, it did seem like they kind of threw him in this uh, weird attire that nobody would actually ever wear. Exactly. I understand they needed the gym, but they could have done it a different way. He he didn't have to get all in his relaxed shirt and yeah. striped shorts. He could have just went over there to talk to somebody and noticed that the gym floor has magnets. And if they wanted to make it funny, they could have maybe got, got him hit in the head with one of those poles. I always fast forward to that scene. I never watch it. I can't stand it. I hate that they did that. But anyway. Good idea. I mean, if there was a way to make a gym with a magnetized floor that you didn't have to use weights, it's just, you know, reacted to whatever uh, setting you had on. There's a lot of real-world applications in the show that um, I think would work really well. I agree, and it is a good idea. So while he's in the gym, something comes shooting down from the sky and crashes through his Jeep. And I think this might be the first time in the series that his car gets damaged, destroyed, or takes a beating. Yeah, there's a meteor or something falling from the sky, blows right through his right through his engine. And into the ground. Yeah. So Henry is ready to excavate to get whatever went into the ground out. And then Carter obviously goes and uses the magnetized pole to get the meteor out so it could be examined. Yep, right. In the meantime, Joe is at the school getting ready for the science fair. And it's funny that she calls the three girls the Heathers. Yeah, I I actually, I got that reference. Oh, you did? Yeah. Very good. There's a lot of things that go over my head, but that one I did get. So you actually saw a movie? Long time ago. (laughs) Well, very good. I'm proud of you. So she's getting ready for the science fair. And this is when Carter runs into the geese and Taggart on the side of the road. Taggart's yelling at him because they're going the wrong way. Also mentioned that uh, Carter's car is not working. Oh, that's right, yeah. So they had to send him a car to get him him around. And they send him one of those little smart cars. Right, even smaller than the one he had to use in the pilot. Yeah, like a smaller smart car if that's possible. And it was an automatic, meaning that it literally it drove itself. And it had the voice, uh, what's that? Uh, Sarah. No, Sarah. Yeah. Do we know? Yeah, we know it's Fargo. Yeah, we do. Yeah. yeah. Still, even when I listen to it, I still don't hear Fargo. Oh, no, I do. Do you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can't get away from it. Even knowing that, I, I can't hear him. I can't hear him in that voice. Yeah, no, I, I hear it. But in the episode when Henry changes time to save Kim, yeah. they have a new Sarah voice because it's a different timeline, and it's actually Kim's voice. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we have the whole discussion of the geese, and they're going the wrong way, and Taggart's the mama, and he does some weird geese call and leaves. And Carter gets to GD, gets off an elevator, and does this 
I don't know, like his body bent back. It was weird. I don't know how he did that. Yeah, his body goes limp. Yeah, but it's like he bent back. His legs were still on the ground, and I don't know how he did that. It was weird. And we find out there's a security barrier, and Carter doesn't have clearance because Joe's the one who opens the mail. Right. Because she decided she was going to let him get stuck in the security barrier. Yeah. <laughs> Easy, Sheriff. Just relax and breathe. We'll pass in a minute. What happened? It's a phallic pattern security barrier. A sensor-intensive gateway that registers identity based on DNA. Not helping. If someone enters without proper clearance, it initiates a light-based immobilization field. I thought you worked these bugs out months ago. I did. But the sheriff must not be in the system yet. Did you get the registration notice I sent to your office? Ugh, Joe opens all the mail. She... She's so mean. And this is the first time we meet Dr. Harrington, who's in charge of this security project. Yep. And Carter's on the floor, and Allison has a meeting, and she just leaves him there. She says, are you going to be all right? And she just leaves. Yeah. Carter goes to meet Dr. Finn because he's trying to get this thing that hit his car identified. Right. Dr. Finn is one of the astrologers, astronomers? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. He's in charge of the big telescope. He identifies it as Chinese, and he says it's probably space junk, so Carter now knows that there's a lot of space junk, quite a lot of space junk, out in space that can randomly fall and hit us. Yeah, he says that this is a once-in-a-lifetime situation that you would see a piece of space junk actually come down and and hit something, that you would actually be around for that. And then uh, as soon as he says it, in the distance, there's another bit falls off. Right, so now they know there's a problem. A meteorite is a rock. That is man-made. Probably a fragment off a Chinese weather satellite. Uh, wait, uh, fragment? Yeah, space is full of junk. Bits of satellites, tools lost during shuttle missions. How many are we talking? Over the last 40 years, uh, maybe a couple hundred thousand in all. A couple hundred thousand? There's no need to stockpile the batteries in the bottled water. An impact like this happens once in a lifetime. So just... Taggart has already mentioned to Carter more than once that his geese keep going the wrong way. And then, in a very disturbing scene, even after we find out that the geese are mechanical, it's still disturbing. Yeah, so Taggart's uh, sitting in Global Dynamics and Carter's walking up and there's, you know, four or five geese just walking around the floor. Taggart's holding one in his arms as and he's hugging him and as Carter walks up, Taggart, like, snaps the geese's neck. The goose's neck? Yeah, the goose. The goose. Yeah. yeah, snaps the goose's neck. And immediately, like, the look on Carter's face is just like, what the hell just happened? Right. But then he unstuffs, more or less, the the goose, and you can kind of see that it's a mechanical, a mechanical goose. Right, but I still don't see what the purpose of snapping his neck. Maybe that's like the on-off switch. Well, I shouldn't have said that. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> It was disturbing even after we found out that it was mechanical. Yeah, I, you know, this is the second time I'm I'm watching the episode. I forgot that it was a a mechanical geese, so I was, yeah. Apparently, he's building these geese and training these geese for the military. Yeah, and it's like another awesome idea. (laughs) You know, hide at plain sight. Yeah, because that's what he says. You look up, you see a goose, you don't think anything of it. There's a lot of really good applications in the show. Right, but these geese have internal compasses. Yeah, so they're figuring out that there's something going on in town that, one, is attracting the space junk, and two, is affecting these uh, geese. Yeah, and 
Carter finds out that Dr. Finn won the science fair back in the 80s for, and I quote, giant space junk sucking magnets. Yeah. <laughs> so Carter immediately thinks Quinn is behind all of this. Right. And Quinn is angry. You know, he says, how would you feel if your greatest achievement was made at 16 and then the military took your idea away? So he doesn't even get to work on his great yeah, idea that he had. Stuck where he is. Right. Uh, you know, he doesn't seem to be well-respected in global dynamics either. Yeah, he seems like nothing more than an assistant. Yeah. Yeah. And as they're talking, Taggart runs up and says his geese are have taken off, yay. And then they all turn around and start heading right back towards them. Yep, start dive-bombing. Yeah, and pretty much splatter. Yep. So I think this is where Carter's kind of getting the idea that because they had an internal compass that there's a magnet attracting the space junk and the geese. That's why the geese could never find their way because they couldn't get past whatever's drawing them. Yep. So they go to the science fair to see if they could find anything there. We find out the Heather's ruined Zoe's project, so Zoe, in turn, sabotages their project. And when Carter and Finn get there, the project goes haywire, and all these metal things are flying in the air, which looks exactly like the space debris that they saw on the computer. Yeah. And see, and here's the part, you know, everybody says, turn it off, turn it off, nobody knows how to turn it off. Carter's the only one who figures out to pull the plug. And then uh, Nathan points up, and all the debris is hanging in the air, and it's going to crash down on Carter. Yeah. Now, that's not him making a fool of himself. That's the circumstances. Right, yeah, that's him, yes. He, that's him figuring out what nobody else could figure out to do. And then there's comical issues after he figures it out. Like, yeah, he figures it out, he turns it off, because everybody else is standing there saying, we don't know how to turn it off. Right, yeah, everyone else is more or less thinking, how do we turn this off so the the stuff that's floating above it comes down gently or, you know, they're, they're not thinking drastically that this has to be turned off before it gets worse, uh, whereas Carter, like, doesn't think before he acts. Right. And he's a power cord and he pulls a power cord. Right. So, you know, logically that, that will turn, turn the thing off, it'll cut the power, but it doesn't solve what's going to happen to the stuff above it. So, you're right, yeah, that's, that's Carter acting to a situation and then, you know, being made a fool because of his actions. Because of the consequences after, yeah, after he does whatever he does to, and most of the time whatever he does stops what's happening except that, you know, this time we have, we have metal stuff hanging in the air that right. fall on him. But see, that's a difference. They do that to him a lot and I get that because, like you said, he acts first, but he's not making a fool of himself. The circumstances are making a fool of not really even making a fool of him. It's just the circumstances that they're funny. I think your real problem is with uh, wardrobe. <laughs> I think your uh, your issue with that scene back at the gym is, is really whoever decided that that's what he was going to wear for that scene. And that could be too. Like I said, when I was watching Reba and she went to the gym with the you know Olivia Newton John headband and the Jane Fonda leg warmers. Yeah, that bothered me. They should know better. Jack should know better. Reba should know better. <laughs> the head of the Heathers, I think her name was Megan, that was her yep. project that went wrong. Carter was going to take them all to the station, and Zoe confesses to sabotaging their project because, yep. obviously, they sabotaged her project. Yeah, and she's feeling a little inferior. What they call her, they call her a norm. Give her a name because she's a, 
a student who doesn't have a parent who's a genius. Right. And you know, I always wondered about that. Parents aren't guaranteed to have a genius child. So where do they go to school? I guess I missed this whole norm thing the first few times because I always wondered that, you know, just because the parents are geniuses doesn't mean the kid's going to be a genius. So where do these kids go to school that aren't geniuses? But I guess they all go to the same place. It just didn't occur to me. It just occurred to me that the school was a bunch of geniuses. And I could understand that Zoe felt like she didn't fit in. Yeah. I guess there is another class of students there that either don't have geniuses for parents or aren't geniuses themselves. Right. As it turns out, Zoe is a genius, but we just don't find that out until the end of the episode. But this Megan person, you know, you usually have some horrible child that is horrible until finally they they come around and they're nice. I mean, we got that for about a minute, but she was just... Nancy throughout the whole thing. Oh, my God. Yeah. She was horrible. I can't stand when somebody's being that horrible and nobody says anything to them about it. It drives me crazy, even though it's a TV show. I mean, she was just awful to every single person that she spoke to. They first accused Megan of stealing GD technology for her project. Right, because they find out that her mother is... Uh, Dr. Harrington, who's in charge of the whole security bubble at uh, GD. It's not like when they when she said that's my mother, everyone was confused as to like, oh, that's your mother. I feel like they would know that Dr. Harrington has a daughter, and they'd be able to put two and two together and and figure this out. But anyway, you find out that Dr. Harrington stole this technology from her daughter's science fair project, which in turn, I guess, reacted differently they didn't have enough power to run this technology at global dynamics which is why it was interfering with everything the sciencey parts of these episodes are never 100 percent clear to me but i think she stole the technology from her daughter for this security system that she built yep which for some reason she had to shoot a beam of something through the em field that covers the town yeah and I don't know why. I, I kind of missed that part, why they had to shoot a beam through the EM field. But be- because of this technology and having to shoot at the EM field, it magnetized the EM field that surrounds the town. So it was drawing all, all the space debris to the EM field, which is why Taggart's geese didn't know where they were going because their compass were off. But they had to figure out what Zoe did to the project in order to fix what was happening. Because whatever she did created a smaller version of what was happening to the town. And if they could figure out what she did, they could figure out how to reverse it for the town. So they, you know, they try and shut this thing down, but they couldn't figure out how to do it. Or they knew that they had to overload the system, I guess, uh, which is what Zoe did to the girls' project. Right. And they had to blast something up to move the debris just a little bit so it would burn up in the atmosphere instead of hitting the ground. Yeah, they wanted to angle it so it would come in to the atmosphere at an angle. That way it would spend more time going through the atmosphere than coming straight down. Right, and they had to use Sarah's sat-nav to help either find where the beam should go or find the coordinates of the debris. I was lost on all of that, no matter how many times I watched there, this. There was a lot of stuff going on, yeah. like the last, you know, 10 minutes of the episode. There was a lot, of, a lot of science. Yeah, and I tried really hard to follow it because I knew we would be talking about it, but I just get lost in all of that. Yeah. 
but apparently it works, whatever they did. And Megan is nice for about a minute. I think she turned around at the, the end of the, the episode. Megan won uh, the science fair. Right. And this was funny. She wins the science fair and she wins a year internship at Global Dynamics and she gets to pick whichever field that she wants to be in or, or whatever. So she decides to go with Dr. Finn, the guy who does the space telescope. And second place goes to Zoe. And her prize for second place is a car. Right. Stark was kind of one of the judges or whatever, and he's announcing the, the prizes. Do you think that her prize was actually a car, or did Nathan do that on purpose? You just know, to- I don't know. Now that you say that, it didn't occur to me. I just thought it was funny that only in Eureka would a car be a second place. Now I don't know if if Nathan knew that Zoe was learning to drive or whatever, and it's possible, but... I don't know. That didn't occur to me. I had no. I have no idea. It just seemed a little too happy when he announced that she won the car. And I didn't even think of that. Yeah. And my question is, Megan gets to work with anybody she wants. So this guy, Dr. Finn, unless he's going to take a new position after he helped save the world, is an assistant to somebody else. Yeah. So why does she want to work with an assistant? Well, maybe she just wants to work in that uh, that area. Yeah. I mean, I think he might be a little bit more than just an assistant. Whoever's ahead of him gets more of the uh, the benefits and more of the perks. Yeah, that's what it sounds. At the end, Henry tells Nathan that he knows Kim's accident wasn't his fault. And that's all that was said about that. Taggart lets the geese go. And he gives yep. a speech about letting him free and letting him fall and letting him get lost if they have to. Which, of course, he's talking about Carter and Zoe. I mean, he's not, but... That's what we're supposed to... Yeah. yeah. So Carter's going to let her keep the car. And then we find out that Zoe's IQ is 154. Yes, but she lies to Carter. And I don't know why. Does she really think he's going to feel bad if she has 154 IQ? Um, I don't know if she thinks that he'd feel bad. I, I just think that she feels he might be a little uncomfortable. I think Carter still thinks, although their relationship is a little rocky, maybe he feels that he can still relate to her because, you know, in his mind, they're kind of like on the same level. So I think, you know, if he finds out that his daughter's technically a genius as well, you know, there might be like a little inferiority there. I didn't think of it that way. That makes sense. And I thought that was kind of like a, a nice gesture on her part to, you know, keep things status quo, you know. You're probably right. That makes a lot of sense. So pretty much we're at the end of the episode, unless we skipped over things that you wanted to talk about. Yeah, I think uh, we touched on everything. The next episode is is in Spanish, so I'm not even going to try that. The next episode... Isn't it? uh, Noche de Sueño. Oh, very good. Thank you. And we'll be back next week with that episode. (laughs) All right. Bye. See you later. Okay, DC, tell us what's next. Join us next time for Season 1, Episode 6, Noche day swim knows see you soon thank you please remember to follow us on our facebook page yeah that can't be good at facebook.com backslash eureka rewatch or on twitter at eureka rewatch links to information discussed during our podcasts will be added to our website at eureka rewatch.com you can also listen to our podcast on podbean If you'd like to send us an email, please email us at EurekaRewatch at gmail. We would love to hear from you. And we're now also available on Google Play.